Welcome to Style with Substance, a podcast by The Vendeur. I'm your host, Lucy Kebble. series plus a few bonus episodes we'll be talking about the myths and greenwashing that surround sustainable fashion join us for discussion with industry insiders tips and generally geeking out on the glory that is ethical fashion welcome back to episode six we can't believe that it's been six weeks since we launched and we would like to say a big thank you to all you lovely listeners out there we really appreciate your support and we hope that you enjoy this episode because we really love making it This week, we're exploring how to extend the life cycle of our wardrobes. Did you know that the average life cycle of a garment in the UK is only 2.2 years? Yes, every year we send around 300,000 tonnes of used clothing to landfill, and that's just in the UK. According to RAP, if we were to wear an item of clothing for just nine more months, we can minimise its carbon, water and waste footprint by 20-30%. So what's stopping us? Well, there's those fickle fashion trends. Here today, gone tomorrow. Fast fashion brands release 52 micro-seasons a year. Yes, that's one every single week. Then there's the issue of caring for our clothes. Many of us are guilty of discarding things once a button has fallen off or a zip has become stuck. The fast fashion we buy isn't meant to last. And so once it breaks, which it inevitably will, we chuck it in the bin or send it to the charity shop. The solution to the problem seems simple. Buy less, choose well and make it last. Dame Vivian has a knack for making it all sound so simple, but hands up if you've invested in something, then left it languishing in the back of your wardrobe because it had a stain on it or the fit wasn't quite right. I'm pretty sure most of us have our hands in the air right now. In her book, How to Break Up with Fast Fashion, Lauren Bravo bemoans an era in which none of us know how to sew or wash our clothes. And she's right. A lot of us just wouldn't know where to start when it comes to mending or alterations. It's no longer taught in schools and not usually passed down through family. And why would you need to learn anyway? You can just go out and buy something else because it's so cheap. Who cares? Luckily, mending is becoming cool again, thanks to craftivists like Katrina Rodabau and the lovely Molly Martin, who is our favourite sashiko repairer. If you're not so nifty with a needle and thread, then never fear. Because for those of us who don't know our thimbles from our darning needles, there are some incredible companies out there who have made it their business to care for our clothes. So you can wear them and love them for longer. Whether there is a scratch on your favourite leather handbag or a pesky moth hole in your cashmere knit, they have you covered. In this episode, we are speaking to Lulu O'Connor, founder of Clothes Doctor. They know that the major hurdle standing in the way of you and the long life wear of your clothes is being able to fix and clean them. So Lulu created a company that would collect your items for repair or alteration and send them off to the experts to sort it all out for you. We discuss the logistics of mending and how washing your clothes actually does more harm than good. Let's head to our chat with Lulu. Hi, Lucy. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you getting on? I am fine, thank you. Yeah, enjoying the lockdown in, in some ways, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, So we're here to talk today about mending and why it's become so important when we talk about uh, living a more sustainable life and having a sustainable wardrobe. And you are the founder of Clothes Doctor. Yes. Um, So let's start by talking about Clothes Doctor and, um, you know, why you started it. Um, yeah, well, Clothes Doctor is a clothing care brand that I launched in 2017. Um, and it's it sort of started really from my own personal frustrations, I guess, with, um, you know, I was living in London, working in finance. Um, I was very, very busy, you know, really long days and getting back quite late in the evening. And um, on the weekends, I was so knackered. I just wanted to kind of lie on the sofa. Um, and I started to realize that I was not looking after my wardrobe very well. And I had I had a habit of kind of um, just making impulse purchases of clothes online and getting them delivered usually to my office. And then I was so busy, I kind of whizzed through them and kind of think, oh, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. And just put them in my wardrobe. And then, you know, either I would just find myself not wearing them or I would wear them a few times and there'd be some minor damage like, you know, a hem had fallen down or a zip had got stuck or a button had fallen off. And I would just put it at the back of my wardrobe and forget about it. And as time went on, I was finding that I would just buy more clothes to replace the ones that I couldn't wear anymore because they were in the back and damaged. And I wasn't actually really thinking through what I was doing and and, and looking after it. and um, and I think I started to take an interest when I had a coat. I was on my way to a meeting and my coat ripped and I started to think this is ridiculous. You know, it was a coat that I'd got from, I think it was a Burberry coat and I absolutely loved it. And I started to look for places near me um, where I lived in London, which was Earl's Court. And I went down to a load of dry cleaners and asked them to, to repair it. And it took quite a long time to find someone to, to do it. The whole experience took me a really long time um, to, to, to track someone down and then to actually have the work done. And then when I got the item back, it was done really poorly and it ripped again within about a few oh, days. No. And that was sort of what got me thinking about it. Like, you know, A, that the service was in my opinion, really um, poorly done in, in, you know, in a first world city like ours to not mm. be able to get that service just seems slightly bonkers. And then on top of it, you know, the fashion industry is absolutely enormous and the repairs and alter- alterations industry is tiny by comparison. And, and yeah, and, it was, and, and on top of that, it's done in a really sort of inefficient, inconvenient way. Um, and so that was what got me initially interested in the area. And then as time went on, I... When we, I left my job to launch the company, I started to learn so much more about, you know, how to actually mend things and the huge array of things that you can actually do to look after your wardrobe and keep clothing going for longer. And yeah, that was that was three years ago now. So um, it's it's been a really, really interesting journey. Yeah, I bet. Well, let's talk about what you guys actually do. What services do you offer people then off off the back of your experience? Yeah, so we it took us quite a while to to sort of work out the sort of business that we wanted to be. So we I, I initially found two amazing seamstresses to help me do this and set up a little workshop. And what I realised is that to do a sort of broad range of um, really high quality repairs and alterations, you do need lots of different specialist equipment. 
and you need lots of different fabrics and threads and all kinds of things like that. So, I Which think- I guess is something that the average person probably doesn't appreciate about having something mended. Yeah. You know, I, I-, I, would, I would have no idea what would, what would be needed to, to mend a lot of my clothes. Exactly. And I, and to be honest, neither did I when I, when I started out. Um, and something that, you know, I always think does differentiate us from um, your local dry cleaner is that because we have all this equipment, we can, we can do things to a much higher standard. You know, if you compare kind of a guy in a local dry cleaner with a little ham, uh, a sort of a home sewing machine and a few different color threads, you know, we have everything that you could possibly need to provide all of those different the, the services that we offer and also to provide things like perfect color matching and things like that um, when we do the repairs. So that was something that I thought was really important. And then a lot of the next steps was actually more to do with customer service. So we found out, you know, the main things we launched our website and started taking orders um, through that. And we started to understand what the sort of common things that problems that people had and what they were looking to repair Um, what were those they were a lot of them were um things like broken zips (laughs) um Mm. you know zips have been around for a long time but they are still pretty much the probably i'd say the weakest point in you know in an average garment and they they are often the first things that that break and you know, and a lot of people, they might love the the item, whether it's, you know, an, an expensive coat or whether it's just a pair of jeans and the zip's gone. And that's mm. really frustrating when you have something that you love and something so small makes it pretty much unwearable. And I think a lot of places that you can go to to get things repaired, you know, of our competitors won't offer such a broad range. Like we try and do a perfect match for any zip that you need. We'll actually source it and find something that matches perfectly. And I think you know, quite often we would actually get people coming to us saying, oh, they had it repaired locally and they came back with this zip, which looks nothing like the original. And, you know, so we end up doing it again. And so that that was a really common one that from, from the word go. And then the other one that's probably our, our best selling <laughs> repair is repairing knitwear. So like darning moth holes and things like that. And, you know, in this country, it's just moths are such a huge problem that yeah. um, especially around October, November time, we always get a surge of people getting out their winter woolies and finding they've been absolutely ravaged by the moths. So, um, so yeah. Gutting, so. Isn't it? When you open the drawer and you realise that, you know, you should have put that lavender bag in there that your mum gave you for Christmas and you thought, what the hell is this? And you just tossed it in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, so that's really common. And then, you know, all types of alterations we do um, and we've expanded also into restoration treatments as well so we do lots of leather restoration and things like that so you know making leather jackets look new again after many many years of wear so it's all yeah it's quite a broad range of stuff but those are the main things I'd say right and how does it work so if, if I was a customer and you know I I had a pair of trousers say that the, the hem had fallen down but I needed them repairing ASAP because I needed to wear them to a, an interview or something you know how do I go about getting in touch with you guys and, and what's the turnaround like it's so we offer we sort of um, guide people to a seven to ten day turnaround but it's not quite as simple as that because if people want something that's that needs something sourced so the example i gave earlier like a zip you know there's it's not necessarily the case that we have every single type of zip or button or um hook or beading in stock and so we tell people if it was something like repairing a seam it would definitely be within 
seven days that we would get it back to you. But, you know, sometimes we have to wait ourselves for things that are sourced from our suppliers as well. Okay. Um, so it can really vary, but um, but yeah, typically most repairs and any other work that we do will get back to the customer within seven to ten days. And then in terms, I mean, which of, is still pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I think when we look at other like it's some some businesses we know who actually do offer repairs of their own clothing, so like brands, retail retailers, and brands, they will often take a month or six weeks before they'll get items back to the customer. So I think we're we're pretty competitive in our turnaround time. Mm, yeah, definitely. So talking about the theme for today, making our wardrobes more sustainable, why do you think that Clothes Doctor is a valid option for people looking to do that? I think that improving or sort of moving towards a more sustainable wardrobe, it it's, has many, many facets. Um, and I think, you know, people who really care about this topic, which I think is an increasing number of people, they are starting to make changes at every level. And and I think a lot of that is, it starts with starting to change your mindset, you know, thinking about clothes as items which are going to be with you for the long term, rather than something that you just, you know, want to buy for a, for a particular occasion. And then also thinking about alternatives to just buying outright, you know, there are amazing options for renting, you know, borrowing from friends, swapping, all those kind of things, um, or buying vintage, you know, I think that's probably the first step in the process um, is done kind of before you've purchased. Um, and then where we come in is is after the purchase. And, you know, our aim is to help people address that really scary stat that we keep hearing, which is the average life cycle of a garment is less than two years. And many garments are only worn two or three times before they're thrown away. You know, that's sort of where we come in. But it does start with the mindset, you know, if you're only buying really kind of cheap, low quality clothes from the outset, then you're not going to be incentivized to look after them well or to get them repaired. So I think, you know, step one is be much more thoughtful about your wardrobe. And, you know, my I was the prime culprit of making, you know, years ago, I was making all these impulse purchases and I was buying loads of cheap clothes, which you know, they just don't look good after a couple of wears anyway. Like I'm not going to be become attached to them or want to, you know, keep them in really good shape. So if you invest to begin with or you, you know, you take your time finding pieces that you really love, then, you know, you'll be inspired, I think, to kind of keep them with you, look after them. And, you know, when it comes to our our business, we don't just offer the services. We also offer help with people who want to actually learn how to mend items themselves and there are some really basic repairs that we we have online tutorials and we offer sewing lessons as well on our website and there are loads of things that really are probably a lot more economical for people to actually just learn to do themselves than it is to send it off to someone to do it for you Um, but we try and offer both options to give people the choice and help people extend the life cycle of their clothes well let's talk about helping people to do that because um we we partnered on an event last year we we organized a darning workshop that was very successful people really enjoyed it and i definitely think I'm, i'm seeing from from my end at least that you know mending is becoming more democratic people are seeing that it it is something that they can do themselves and you guys are helping them to do that. And we're sort of seeing a bit of a rise in the popularity of mending. So I do you, I, do you agree with that? Do you think that mending is becoming a statement more now for people that they're sort of literally wearing on their sleeves, I guess? 
Yeah, I think it's it's got so, so much interest over the last year or so. And I think before that, I don't think people even A, knew what was possible or B, even kind of thought about it. You know, the option of actually mending something that was damaged, just it didn't sort of pop up necessarily in many people's psyche, especially younger people, you know. I think it used to be the case that, you know, clothes were much more expensive. And so people really used to to think about looking after them and repairing them when they were damaged. But I think that sort of went out of the window, really, when fast fashion arrived. And I think the the Environmental Audit Committee and their investigation last year was really it was really interesting how that raised the profile of, you know, the, the issues in the fashion industry and the fact that repairing clothes is just not taught in schools anymore. And, um, you know, so a very low proportion of the population actually know how to do basic skills, mending skills. And so I think that has definitely raised the profile. And now a lot of the customers that we get, they're often actually saying things like, well, you know, I would probably have thrown this away but I don't want to contribute to landfills so I've actually decided to get it repaired which two three years ago when we first started out no one would ever come to us saying that um so I think that's quite an interesting development as well yeah definitely I think as well that you know a lot of people are now seeing it as something that they can do to add a little bit of personality to their clothes too um we've talked Mm. previously on the website about things like sashiko repair and, and you yourself mentioned um darning knitwear i've seen some of the stuff that you guys do and it's it's you know the, a lot of the time it's not possible to make that an invisible mend it, it it will be seen in some way and people are kind of starting to embrace that a little bit more aren't they yeah i think that's definitely true and i think you know we do partner with some clothing brands to help them either you know they direct their customers towards us when when their customers come to them with their clothes that are damaged or sometimes we do it in even more kind of involved way and actually we do it on behalf of the brand themselves when um when they offer that to their customers and we kind of do it as an outsource and what we tend to find more and more is that the brands actually want those repairs to be visible um, and they want to have either a brand color or a brand patch on the items. And this is more, to be fair, this is more in like the sportswear kind of environment, cycling brands and, and outdoor brands. So maybe it's a slightly more masculine demographic, but we're certainly finding that people really enjoy being able to wear their repair um, proudly instead of you know trying to make it as as invisible as possible so that's quite an interesting dynamic that's just kind of emerged over the last year or so I'd say yeah it's a it's a new sort of way of personalizing almost I mean I remember when the only way you could really do that was by ironing a patch onto your jeans or something whereas now you know we can we can look at so many different methods and and so many different ways of doing it so let's talk a little bit more about clothes care because not only do you as a company look after mending fitting tailoring that sort of thing but you also have a range of clothing care products as well can you tell us a little bit more about the products and 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 what sort of things that you offer yeah so we we launched these products last year um early last year and what we were finding was that people would often come to us um with things that needed repairing and then when we'd send the items back they would say well you know how do i stop that happening again basically or, or what should i be doing differently and we i guess initially we were sort of pointing people towards items or like um products out there in the market to help them 
look after their clothes, which we didn't necessarily feel quite stood up to our kind of ethical credentials, I guess. And so we decided that we would launch some ourselves. And initially it was really like, you know, customers would have garments in our workshop and we say, well, you know, you're having your moth hole repaired. Why don't you buy our moth repellent detergent and, you know, our natural fragrance bags, which will stop them, stop this happening again. And so we were sort of adding it into people's baskets and, and, you know, giving them more options when they were when they were actually having items repaired and then actually they've just been really popular and and you know they've they've really taken off of their own accord now so we're sort of expanding the range and at the moment we've got uh four specialist detergents um covering knitwear one covering sports um we have a kind of a classic everyday detergent um and a silk and delicates detergent as well and what i love about them is that they're all totally plastic free and we spent a long time coming up with the packaging because actually that was one of the most difficult things, I think, in this industry, which is sort of absolutely jam-packed full of throwaway plastic, basically, is coming up with something that's more innovative and that doesn't use plastic and that is totally recyclable and kind of fits in with our brand ethos of reducing waste and, you know, helping things live longer and, and last longer. So that was that was probably the most challenging bit of the whole thing was was designing that packaging and so yeah i'm really proud of the work that we've done we've got compostable labels totally aluminium bottles which for anyone that doesn't know is it basically means that they are 100% recyclable forever it's it's an infinite recycling wow. in a, in what's called a closed loop system so it just means whereas plastic when you recycle it it degrades with every step. So most plastics can only be recycled about three times before they just have to be thrown away and go into landfill. Aluminium can just be recycled over and over and over and over again, which is what I love about it. It has its challenges, but generally I think it's very eco-friendly. It's it's lightweight and things like that, which, you know, if you're using glass, for example, that's that's always the challenge with with weight and the the, the economic, environmental impact of shipping heavy items. So we're sort of, you know, that's that's our starting point. And then the detergents themselves are all very eco-friendly. They're palm oil free. Um, they have natural ingredients, natural fragrances in them. And they work really, really well. And they they smell amazing as well. And probably my, my favorite one is the sports wash, which has this smell that's just a bit like sherbet. It's a sort of really nice, Ooh, really? fresh kind of lemony smell. It's really, really nice. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. I might have to try that one. Yeah. Get, get that in for my boyfriend's, my boyfriend's wash. That might help. <laughs> yeah. And talking about washing things, I think a lot of people don't really realize because we're all kind of led to believe that, you know, you should wash things all the time. You should be washing things with detergents that can t- contain antibacterials and, and things like that because there are so many germs on our clothes. And we don't realize that through washing everything all the time, we're degrading the fibers. We're, um, I mean, obviously this is probably more true of cheap poor quality clothing than it is sort of more expensive made things. But, um, you know, do you think that people are starting to understand how to care for their clothes a little bit more than just throwing everything in the washing machine, then in the tumble dryer? I think it's, I'm not sure, actually. I think, you know, I, I see some really, really good sort of 
of views on this. And Stella McCartney is someone who I think is just amazing on this topic. If you ever read stuff that she says about about (laughs) you don't need to wash a suit, like she's got this whole thing about how you should never, ever wash a suit. You brush it down with a clothes brush, you steam it. That's the most you ever need to do. And, And it's something that so many people just wouldn't agree with that and um you know they just take a suit off to the dry cleaner every few you know every few wears so i think there's still a a, not a good understanding of actually what can be done and how to look after clothes and i think that is massively exacerbated by the clothing industry where you know they slap dry clean only labels on a lot of garments which really don't need them um, I, I found that out when I worked for a clothing brand and I was re- I was shocked and a little bit upset, to be honest, when, when they said, oh, we should probably revisit that actually because we just put dry clean only on everything, don't we? Mm. I thought, wow, I honestly thought that, you know, they would look at each individual fabric, each individual piece of clothing, because, you know, styles can be can be affected when you wash them improperly. And that was that was shocking to me. So I, I don't think people really realise, do they, that clothing, clothing brands don't necessarily know how you should wash their own clothes. Exactly. And I think, you know, in from their point of view, they're just protecting themselves. You know, they have no incentive to discourage people from dry cleaning, really, because they don't really mind that much what happens you know, after a few wears. <laughs> but what they don't want is for somebody to look at the label and wash it incorrectly based on the label's advice or, or you know, for any damage to happen to it straight away, which obviously if you um, take a silk garment and you wash it in the machine on a hot wash, then yeah, that will not be a good thing for it. And it will show immediately that that hasn't been washed correctly. But there is also a, a, a sort of massive middle ground, which isn't uh, being talked about, which is you know, the vast majority of items which say dry clean only, if you wash them in cool water or you steam them or you just take a little bit of time to understand what the garment is, you can wash it much better doing it yourself at home. You save a lot of money, yeah. you know, and and it will last much, much longer and it will smell a lot better. And most importantly, you won't have lots and lots of chemicals on your skin and, you know, and in the fibres of the clothes, which will do damage long term. Yeah, I think as well, one of the best things I was ever told was just give it an airing, just hang it outside yeah. for a day. I didn't know that sun helped to bleach things as well. Yeah. Um, so I always hang hang things outside in direct sun, well, you know, white things primarily, but in direct sunshine where I can because I, I've, I've seen a massive difference in, in my clothes just by doing that. And I'm washing things so much less, which is, is something that we all need to be doing. Yeah, no, that's great. And we actually, on our, on our website, we've got tons of, information on our blog um for example about how to actually wash things properly and you know things like tips for washing silk and and um and cashmere wool and all that kind of stuff um oh, and brilliant. Then- well we'll um we'll link to those in the show notes then so that people can find them perfect yeah well thank you so much for speaking to us today Lulu it's um I know that I've definitely learned a few things and I hope that other people have found it exciting and informative Good. Well, it's been really nice to chat to you too, Lucy. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Have a lovely day. Bye. You too. Take care. Bye. Thanks for joining us today, wherever you are. We hope our conversation has inspired you to breathe life into your discarded clothing. Because remember, loved clothes last. We're taking a short break, but we'll be back with more episodes very soon. 
In the meantime, you can get your weekly dose of conscious fashion over on our website, thevonder.co.uk, and that's spelled T-H-E-V-E-N-D-E-U-R. We'd also love to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review. And of course, subscribing helps other people to find us. As usual, we are so grateful to everyone who recommends us to a friend. We want to reach as many people as possible with our message of conscious living. See you again soon for some more sustainable fashion myth busting. Mm-hmm.